just a quick disclaimer that you might find the beginning of some of our earlier episodes a little bit choppy. The reason for that is we initially had a different title for our podcast and between recording our first few episodes and publishing them, we discovered that someone else already fair and square claimed the name. So we just omitted it from our first few recordings before we landed on unseen must-sees. So thank you for sticking with us while we're learning and adapting. We cannot wait to watch more movies with you. Thank you so much. I didn't hear your clap. Did you clap? I did clap, but it was exactly at the same time as your clap. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) The movie podcast where myself, Kendra Timmons, and myself, A. Buzner, (laughs) have decided to review the movies that inevitably at some point in your life, one of your friends or a movie buff or just society as a whole will tell you that you have to have seen. Mm -hmm. And when you admit that you haven't, there is a feeling of shame and exasperation. And oftentimes as it comes up in life, you just lie about it and go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I have seen that one in order to avoid the conversation where they break it down in great detail and demand that you go home immediately watch it and then come back and tell them. Yeah. I've had that conversation way too many times. (laughs) I think it's something that happens quite often. Both Allison and I are actors. Mm-hmm. who are living and working in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It comes up a lot. We're in circles of lots of people, lots of creative people, people in the film industry in one way or another. And so you always end up with these movies that people tell you that it's a, it's a crime to not have seen. So we have compiled a list of these movies mm-hmm. that either one or both of us has never seen before. And, and we are going to in the future them. we'll have guests who have, there yes. are some on the list that both of us have seen, but maybe there'll be a guest in the future that hasn't seen it and we'll rewatch it and discuss those ones as well. So we are going to watch them. We're going to do the work for you, or you can do the work with us. At the end of each episode, we are going to tell you the movie that we will be doing the following week so that you can play along with us because it's always more fun to be included in the joke than not. Absolutely. And we are going to watch them and determine, is it true? Is this a movie you must see before you die or you must see because you're an actor to Mm -hmm. see or not to see? To see or not to see. And we're compiling a list called the musties. You'll be able to participate in the fun. We're not the only ones who get an opinion here. We want to know what you have to say as well. (laughs) So uh, myself, someone who watches a ton of document, I love documentaries so, so much because as an actor, I love seeing kind of true character breakdown, but Kendra and I have dove into screenwriting recently and a lot of the conversations of like, well, you have to watch this. You need to watch this before you write that. You need to watch this. Yeah. We have a big list of movies that we're going to be watching. If you have any suggestions, feel free to send them our way. We'll add them to the list and hopefully get to them soon. Welcome. Welcome to the ride. Welcome to the ride of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Today we are discussing. Very exciting. The Godfather, the film that everyone says is the best film of all time. Yes. It's many a people's favorite. And it, Like even in admitting that, I bet there were people listening to this going, what do you mean you're an actor and you've never seen The Godfather? I've heard it before. Here's the thing. It's 50 years old. (laughs) It's 50 years old. It is. And and I don't know about you, Kendra, but- I didn't have TV when I was a kid. My parents had antennas and we had seven films. VHSs. So it's not like I got exposed to a ton of films as a young person. And now as an older person, I have things to do like (laughs) work and- Yeah, yeah, a a ton of things. And it is, it is rare unless I personally did watch a lot of movies as a kid because my parents both love movies, are not in the industry. And I would say my mother more so than my dad to the point where I've seen a lot of like old movies. And it would be this mm-hmm. thing where we would be forced to sit down and my mom would be like, oh my gosh, this was my favorite movie when I was young. And it's that eye roll of like, oh my gosh, I have to watch an old movie. But I would say 50% of the time, they were really enjoyable and they were great. But you do need people in your life to go, you need to look back. You need to go back to the oldies and- 
and take a look at them. So yeah. we have done just that. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm actually super excited about this podcast because a lot of the stuff that I just end up watching on any of the streaming networks, Netflix, whatever, I end up watching something that's really like mind numbing just to get through the end of your day. I find yeah. a lot of people in doing that. That's why the two hots to handles in the bachelors are so popular. Cause people are like, I need to turn off. Just yes. And these movies are not really turn off situations. No. So I'm excited that we're doing this because so many times I've wanted to see these films, but I haven't given myself the opportunity because I'm like, I just want to sit on the couch. And yeah, it's an effort. Like it's like, it it's is. a, that happens all the time where you sit down and you're like, oh, there's this movie I've been meaning to see, but like, I don't think I have it in me to like fully pay attention. Our attention spans these days are so short by the yep. media that we consume and what we do. I just think it's so great to have an excuse to actually sit down. And these are masterpieces. They're works of art. They mm -hmm. are, whether we like them or we don't, or we have differing opinions with society who claims they're the best movie ever, they are pieces of artwork that a ton of people put a ton of effort into. Yeah. in order to tell a story and it deserves to be seen. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So just quickly before we start going over our notes, because Kendra and I take hilarious yes. notes. We sure do. If I do say so myself. <laughs> I have um, some and I, I am adamant about handwriting them. Oh, like big I time. To come, and so it's really funny too, where sometimes I just look at a note and I'm like, can I read it? Question what? mark. <laughs> can I read it or like what did I mean I just wrote a few words which we'll get into we'll we'll find yeah. the entertainment shall we do a quick synopsis of yeah. the godfather so I pulled it up here excellent so the godfather that was released in 1972 so widely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time this mob drama based on Mario Puzo's novel of the same name focuses on a powerful Italian American crime family of Don Vito Corleone Marlon Brando when Michael reluctantly joins the mafia, he becomes involved in the inevitable cycle of violence and betrayal. Although Michael tries to maintain a normal relationship with his wife, Kay, he's drawn deeper into the family business. Yes. There we go. That describes it perfectly. It does, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of notes here. You'll definitely hear my pages turn in the microphone. I wrote quite That's a just bit. ASMR. People That's love just First thing I would like to talk about is the cat in right? the opening scene. Me too. Stole my heart. The whole the whole thing. Stole the scene. It was yeah. hard to pay attention to anything but the cat. It was such a beautiful, loving cat. And I don't know about you, but I don't know a lot of cats like that. And I was like, I hope Marlon Brando kept that cat because someone did. did. Someone had to. It, it was a stray. It was oh. a stray cat that, what's his name again? Marlon Brando? No, Coppola was walking to set, oh. found this cat, took it to set and was like, play with the cat while we do the scene. And the cat was just totally infatuated with Marlon Brando and they shot all day and the cat was just all over him for the entire time. Oh my gosh, meant to be. Meant to be. I hope he kept that. I don't think he did, but I hope he kept that cat. The only thing I can watch during that scene was a purring beauty. I know, I agree. And I think it just, is, it was such an interesting choice to establish the head mob boss of this family who is supposed to be so intimidating and so revered, mm -hmm. cuddling with a little cat while he was taking his meetings. Like what a, what a fabulous choice Yeah, that did not in any way take away, I don't think, from his power or his, or what he was saying. I think they used it strategically where he was having these meetings with people of, oh, what do you need? What's going on? So it wasn't something where it was like having a distraction was a bad thing mm -hmm. but yeah it actually enhanced his power to me because he's petting this cat and I'm like oh is he gonna do something messed up to the cat I was concerned he's so loving and caring to the cat but you can tell he's this like cutthroat type of dude just right off the bat or maybe yeah. it's because I knew what the vaguely. godfather was vaguely so I was like oh my god did no one give me a heads up that this cat dies one thing I cannot watch is an animal passing away on screen I used to get really, really upset and cry a lot. And so I was like, oh no, if this cat dies, I may not make it to this movie because huh. it's but a it, deal breaker a lot of the time. It is a deal breaker. I, like Marley and me, never am I ever going to watch mm -hmm. that movie. I know it's like, no, no. Anyway, yep. so I'm really, I was overwhelmed by the adorableness of this cat. Yes. Yeah. What's your next point, Kendra? My next point was I loved the, I have a lot of notes about like the opening scene. And yeah, the way the it was done. Yes. It was so clever to introduce the characters, 
the setting, what was going on, and to like intersperse these dark business dealings with the joy and fabulousness of that wedding. It felt so grounded in reality and so real to me where it was just like, oh, it's, oh, we're taking pictures. Oh, but I'm busy. I have to run and do this. Okay. Now I'm inside. Okay. Where is this person? And it just made it and and introductions happen at weddings. So it didn't feel like exposition of like, this is my brother. So-and-so, and this is my brother. It was like, oh, you haven't met him. Oh yeah. He's okay. He's married to him. And like, it felt like that is something you would do at a wedding, which in the story, Michael is one of the sons of this family. And he brings Kay, who is his girlfriend, to the wedding. And it was so great because I literally my note says Kay is all of us. Yeah. Kay is all of us. Kay was the person who was wandering into this situation, completely naive to what was going on. Mm-hmm. And we got to figure out what the story was through her perspective. And I thought that was so clever. You could not have paid me a million dollars to guess that was Diane Keaton. Nope. Me neither. I would have never recognized her. Especially throughout the film where her hair is in certain ways. I was just like, there's no way that that is Diane Keaton in my eyes. Yeah. So, I mean, good for her for evolving. One thing I also really enjoyed right off the bat, I noticed how natural the women are, men Mm -hmm. are. And this was before like a lot of plastic surgery and Botox and all that kind of stuff. Not that that's anything that has... You do whatever you want to do to your face and body, but it was so refreshing to fully see, oh, that's, yes, that's what, that's what normal people look like at a wedding. Yes. You know, they're not all spectacularly gorgeous and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. Also, this movie was set 1945 to 1955. Mm -hmm. Not all fashion was great. Because those bridesmaid dresses were fugly. (laughs) Yes, they were. They were fugly. Yes, they were. It was so interesting. And I don't know a lot about period dress. Mm -hmm. I've got, I've had the privilege of wearing a lot of costumes in my life and kind of have a vague idea, but there was something to me that was so smart about, because sometimes costumes become way over the top. It's like when you throw an eighties party and everyone shows up in like bright pink spandex, it becomes like almost a joke of itself. Whereas this felt like they were putting the good, the bad and the ugly, but not an overdone way where it was like, we need them to know it was the fifties. So we're going to do these stereotypical things. It was like, no, no. Someone went and found old photographs of their family members at weddings. And was like, this is what it needs to be. And I just, I very, very impressed with the costume design. Oh yeah. It was very authentic. Definitely. And that was another thing that I really enjoyed about the film was that it was okay to be ugly. Like it it wasn't just a bunch of beautiful Italian people, American Italian people just living life. It was like, there was a lot of ugliness in the film as well. Yeah. One thing that struck me though was, I think it was just an actor role guy who says, oh, her purse, she has $30,000 in that silk purse. Mm -hmm. And I was like, in 1945, what is $30,000? Today. Oh my god. So I looked it out. You found it. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, yeah. Four hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, two hundred and thirty and sixty-eight cents. So almost five hundred thousand dollars that woman as a wedding received as a wedding gift. Wedding purse. Oh my gosh. Right? That's so much money. It is so much. Sometimes I think about like, what if someone just gave me twenty thousand dollars today? I'm like, I think what would you change do? my world. Like yes, drastically. <laughs> drastically to get like five hundred thousand dollars just as like a wedding gift yeah however there was I looked up how many extras were in that scene because there was so many people there so full 750 people wow that's not so yeah that's a huge that's a huge wedding huge yeah so I guess if you invited that many people to your wedding maybe you'd get that much money back yeah based on what of what you spent and all those things I would I also think there's an element of like fear as well if the head of the the mob invites you to a wedding you're going yeah you're absolutely going I thought about the guy who made the cake do you think that they paid for that cake because I don't think they they did did. yeah nope I'm like you just show up with a cake and you go cool 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 enjoy your wedding yeah it's fabulous thank you so much for this this favor you're granting me 
Yeah, yeah. The scene where Sonny goes outside and the feds are walking around the parking lot and he yes. takes the camera and he smashes it to the ground and he mm-hmm. throws the money on the ground. First of all, boss. That is so yeah. boss. In that moment, I understood a little bit more about my father. Oh. My dad was very much into these types of films and grew up kind of at the same time as, you know, Al Pacino. Yep. Like they they would be similar ages. So I think when my dad saw this movie, he identified a lot or wanted to be. And when that happened, I was like, there were so many times that I feel like my dad tried to do that and it didn't go as successful. But that is so boss to smash some camera and then just to throw some money on the ground. They established their power immediately. Immediately. Because I thought the same thing when he spat on the FBI badge. Improv. Do you know that was all Oh my, no, that's insane. Yeah. Like, imagine genius. getting that ability as an actor. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you break. Go for it. Yeah. And you just like smash a camera on the ground. Oh yes. my gosh. Which speaking of smashing, mm. I don't know if we're there yet. I don't know. But we can always come back to it. When the, at the beginning, the daughter who's getting married. Oh my God. We find out that her marriage is an absolute disaster. She is, trigger warning, involved in a domestic violence situation. And she has a freak out scene while she's pregnant where she smashes every item on set. That is one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. That is, it, I'm, we're talking about it. I have shivers at the moment. Moment. It that, was baffling. But also him beating. I was like, he's beating her. Like it wasn't acting. He was beating her. Right. Like it, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure he wasn't actually beating her. No. But I watched that being like, it's so overwhelming how accurate that yeah. moment was. Yeah. And just like the wandering through and like the complete emotions that she was going through. And I also, you can't help it as an actor. You looked at, you're like, oh my gosh, the pressure she must have been feeling on that day, knowing that she had to destroy set deck. Yeah. And and there's a chance you're not going to get more than one go at that. Yeah. At least in my experience, maybe they certainly this film would have had budget and, and all of those things. And I'm sure there was they were able to reset, but just like the, the vast effort that it re- would require to do that over and over again. And so she had no choice but to commit to everything she did in that scene. And it reads, you could tell like, yeah. There was no question of whether she was in it or not. And then in saving the final like confrontation between the two of them, when he is wreaking the most violence is done behind a closed door. I was like, this is, it was effective and genius and props go to both of those actors. Yeah. Well, he wasn't an actor before this film. What's his name again? His name is Gianni Russo. He plays Carlo. So he wasn't actually an actor before this. Apparently he was actually a mob member and- In the movie, the kind of Frank Sinatra guy who's not yes. supposed to be Frank Sinatra. No, he's not. He's, whatever. he's fictional Frank Sinatra. Fictional Frank Sinatra. That actually happened for him. Mafia people were like, have my boy in the film or else. And so he's in the film. And apparently Marlon Brando was so upset that like a, oh, a non-actor green actor was going to have this really, really important role. And he was very vocal about it. And then this Gianni guy came up to him, threatened him, but for real threatened him. Right. Yeah. But Brando thought he was acting and he was like, yo, that's really convincing. Okay. You, yeah. you, you deserve it now. <laughs> But then he Wild. he transitioned from being he apparently was like super low in being a mobster like he right. just did on the totem pole he was like he was towards the bottom yeah but then he transitioned into being a full time actor after that but yeah that was his first ever acting role ever which I was alone it's away so Good interesting job. how and I think the movie did this as well tied in the mafia and the Hollywood film industry mm-hmm. making movies is something that requires a lot of money and we know that the golden age of Hollywood Hollywood when it was all starting and happening had a lot of shady things going on yeah in underneath behind the scenes true and so it was so interesting to me to see that in the movie I think anytime it's exciting in a film to see something that you're familiar with that you can relate to that you can attach to and Mm -hmm. so as soon as we brought in oh it's about this movie and like okay I'm sending you to LA to talk to this producer it was like oh okay this is tying to something that that is vastly relatable and understanding to me and I think it was cool to see a snapshot of Hollywood at that time. I yeah. really enjoyed that. Yeah. And talking about that scene of him mm. going to LA. Oh, bef- before that, I just mm-hmm. want to talk about that Luca character. Yes. You know, who's like practicing his lines um, mm-hmm. to talk to 
Vito, Brent Marlon yep. Brando. Yeah. Apparently he was so nervous to play with Marlon Brando that he was in his trailer just going over his lines. Over and over, and over like and over manically. Over yeah. They had him do it, put a scene in, into the movie of him doing that and him stuttering and doing the whole thing. That's him actually losing his shit. Oh my gosh. And like having a freak out because he's with Marlon Brando. Wouldn't we all? Right? Yeah, I know. Also, Marlon Brando, the fact that you got to be a character that you got to like truly transform into, most actors never get the opportunity to do that. No. Most of us get to play actor roles that, or actor roles, most most of us get to play actor roles. (laughs) Um, Most of us get to play roles where we're just versions of ourselves. Yeah, because it feels the most authentic, especially with film and television. Yeah, you don't get a chance to really change. Yeah, it's usually in like theater where you get to truly transform into like a different being altogether. Unfortunately, it's really hard to get into a good theater and uh, you don't get paid. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a lot of people go into film that. That's the reason why. To have the opportunity to really, really change who you are, do the whole jaw thing. You know, he auditioned with balls in his mouth and then they actually Mm -hmm. made him a mouthpiece and you're just like, I'm so happy for you. (laughs) Me too. And what an incredible choice because I feel like sometimes as actors were, at least me personally, let's speak for all actors, but we tend to shy away, especially film and television with large choices because- Yeah, because you don't want to ruffle the feathers. Yeah, and it can seem overwhelming and it's risky. And you hear about the stories all the time of people walking into situations where I'm sure, I mean, it's Brando, so I can't imagine he got a ton of pushback, but just him coming in and being like, I want to talk like this. It's going to be kind of hard to understand me, but this is the choice I'm making and this is what I'm sticking to. And I think for him, it was wildly successful because I was forced to pay attention to every syllable and every word that he was saying. Yeah. And it was like a power move. You know, that I'm sure there are lots of things like that where it's like, yeah, if you really want someone to listen to you, don't raise your voice. Yes. Yeah, Pull back, make there. them listen. Like there was, there was something so powerful in that, but I can imagine if you weren't Brando, if you were a nobody who showed up to set and were like, I want to stick these cotton balls in my mouth and do this weird voice, their producers would have stepped in in two seconds and been like, oh, uh, no, no, the audience is going to, can't understand you and blah, 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 and all of these things. It happened with Johnny Depp's choice to portray Captain Jack Sparrow as he did. There's tons of stories about that where he showed up on set and everyone was like, no, you can't do this. You cannot make these choices and, and appear drunk and do this crazy thing. Um, Disney. Were, <laughs> yeah. Like for this kid's movie based on a, a beloved theme park ride. Yeah. Like, yeah. and and him just going, no, I think this is right. And then sure enough, he was right. I thought that was, again, maybe brave is the wrong word because you're Brando. At the, and at that point in your career, I don't think there was anyone saying no to Brando. Yeah. But but going, this is, this is who this character is. And this is the choice that I'm making. I have a lot of notes about that where I was like, man, I had to pay attention to that man anytime he's doing a scene it was like oh okay I'm here I have to I have to figure out what you're saying I don't know recently within the last like year or so I've decided because we're in self-tape world that I'm just gonna throw spaghetti at the wall and just go for it mostly because if you don't like the choices that I'm making I don't know it's hard to know maybe I'm not what you want yeah I know that yeah it would be super super intimidating I mean I don't get to audition for the type of films like this mm-hmm. but I feel not like, yet not yet but <laughs> I feel like going making those huge choices I watched it and as an actor I was like fuck yes thank you so like I watched it and it made me feel like validated in a sense mm-hmm. because that's the type of actor that I want to be I want to yep. be the actor that makes big choices and yeah. kind of goes like fuck and it, defines like characters it. exactly exactly you could tell that he knew everything about there was no question to him he was that person another thing method acting here or there people yeah I who have are too methody sometimes get really freaking annoying yeah because it's also collaborative exactly like I think for this role it worked because he was supposed to be this austere person that everyone was kind of tiptoeing around which is sometimes I feel the unfortunate effects of method acting yeah especially if you're in a character oh sorry for anyone who's listening and who might not be an actor method acting true that sorry (laughs) no it's we just forget sometimes we're just having a chat with each other exactly and every once in a while you're gonna have to forgive us for that yeah but method acting is a acting choice where the actor decides to remain in character for the entire process of filming so they will off it depends yes like and there are varying levels of it as well some people are well known to be like no you have to call me the character name and are doing exactly what the character would do Mm. in certain situations which can help with a performance 
but can also hinder a production because there's lots of times where it's cut, reset, this. There are a lot of technical things where you need to stand, where you don't. And sometimes that is not conducive to an actor who is staying in the character. There's yeah. also a lot of downtime on sets where in that downtime, they would remain in character and kind of go off and do their own thing, which can be isolating when you're an actor because sometimes in those downtimes, that's when you want to get to chat and get to know each other better. So I think it's really a but preference. But also like Jim Carrey, there's so many stories about him yeah. being full method on set and then just wreaking havoc being the character on his downtime. And yeah. that's when you're just like- And you're impeding other people's jobs and their efforts. And then there are smaller scales. You hear stories, Meryl Streep does it every once in a while where I think Devil Wears Prada, she famously was very cold and very kind of- to the other actors, I think on the first day said something to them, not verbatim, but like, it's very nice to meet you. I'm very excited to work with you. This might be the last nice thing I say to you for the rest yeah. of the production, but, but still being Meryl and working with crew. So I think there are levels of method acting that you can choose to do. And in my experience, method acting can be tough on the actual filming process. The results might be fantastic, but in doing it, that can be difficult. I also feel like the further away the character is from who you are, I can see it being more important to stay in character. Mm -hmm. For myself, I have gone to set and not on my downtime, but once I step onto set, have been in character. And when mm -hmm. we go cut, I go sit in my chair and I don't talk to anybody and I just stay in my character because it could be an emotional scene or it could be, you know, something in which the dialogue is really intense and I, I just want to stay focused. So I've done that. But then there's also been times where you're like, okay, this character is me. Yeah. Just in this restaurant, in this dress. So yeah, not a big deal. Easy peasy. <laughs> I can just be myself and visit exactly. and be chill. So I can um, understand but, wanting to do method for this because this is so far away from all of these people. Well, yes. most of these people. We'd like to hope. Are actual <laughs> mobsters. Yeah. Al Pacino also, he he actually got his mouth wired shut for the scenes in which he had oh, broken no. his jaw. Yeah. And I was thinking about it. I was like, would I do that? And I think. No. I think I would. I think no. I would. Just because I would want to know what it felt like having to talk and eat through it, I think I would do that. Not that I would necessarily stay for weeks and weeks and weeks. I would talk to a doctor and be like, if I had this on my mouth for weeks, what would that do? Mm -hmm. They were like, that would mess up your entire future. No, yes. but if it didn't harm me and whatever, I think I would do it. I think yeah, I that's, no, I wouldn't. No, but that's because medical procedures and like just basic needles, I don't handle very well. So yeah, no, <laughs> I, would, I would use my, my pretend imagination for that. I think, I think that would be. <laughs> Anything invasive. The same with like changing your appearance, that kind of stuff. Like I'd shave my head, hair grows back. Doing any kind of surgical thing, or even I think when people like lose and gain masses amounts of weight, that can be problematic for many reasons. Like just your health, the optics, like, you know, it, I, those kinds of things. I think I'd be fearful of doing because I just, to me, acting is like the reason I've gone into it is because I get to play pretend for the rest of my life. Yeah. And there are many things I can pretend with not having experienced them. Which is probably why like fantasy dramas are my jam. I, I do like to experience certain things to a certain extent. Like, if you can. If it's if, if it's can, an option. If you can, if it is an option. Exactly. Yeah. Like so would you wait, would what you I we're gonna get into one of the most iconic scenes of the film? Mm. Would you get in bed with a horse head to experience what that know, feels like? He he didn't know it was a real horse head. He was didn't it know a real it was horse a, head? It was it real. Didn't look it didn't look real. It was a real horse head. They got it off a factory line. Yeah. Oh no. I oh, so they didn't get the no animals were harmed no yeah thinking of this movie stamp they, they did, did not, not they did not earn that there was a lot of things about that scene the sheets were so weird to me i was like there's no way anyone would actually sleep in those sheets but then i realized oh, i think rich I, people do but the thing is is like my face no matter how rich i get will stain those sheets forever with my oily ass skin as i sleep like those right. sheets are done so yeah but anyway that's fine that was as that scene started i was like no one actually has those sheets but this is you know 1945 or 46 yes. so yeah whatever, tough, to, blah, blah, tough blah. to say i also like i've been watching a yeah. With my sister lately. And when you get into opulent kinds of money, your house starts to look weird. Like it yes, starts it to like, does. so the idea that someone would have the shiniest, weirdest looking yeah. sheets because they can does I don't 
think that's unrealistic at all. But then as the sheet, as he pulled the sheet back, first of all, he didn't know that it was a real horse head when they, oh no, when they played record. I don't, I feel like well, I'd that's be not really okay. pissed off if someone did that to me. Yes. That's not, that's, that goes into actor abuse and like is very prevalent in Hollywood, which no, that's not okay. It's no. not okay to have, to, especially when you're acting, you are giving a vulnerable piece of yourself and for there to be any kind of surprises. And I don't mean surprises in terms of improv because you go into a scene going, okay, let's improv. Like, let's do whatever. What are you cool with? What are you not? Like, those are the conversations that need to be had, Mm -hmm. but to go into something and not be fully aware of like, what's going to happen. I think, I think it's abuse. Yeah. I've been in some improv scenes in the past where I've, I I went to like this method school for a while and Mm -hmm. I was in an improv scene where I was like, oh, I think this guy might attack me for the improv and I don't know how to get out of it and that's when I was like this is intruding into like my mental health Mm -hmm. and acting should never do that you should always protect yourself first because you are really vulnerable and people don't really grasp how dangerous that can be yeah one because people don't respect it the amount of people when you start to cry and someone goes stop 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 crying no 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 because it makes them feel uncomfortable yeah and then you're doing it there's a whole group of people watching then you you're filming it and a whole other group of people are going to watch it and judge you. So there's so much happening. There's so many layers to that. So to put someone in a, in a space to get a real performance, it's like, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, and and that's, if you don't and think I'm also, good enough to give exactly. you the performance that you're looking for, then why did you hire me? We didn't need to fuck with me. I 100% agree. Like that is such a doubt in your performer's ability. Yeah. Don't do that. That is not a good point for this film. I think that if I was in the scene where I was going back to the movie with a yes. dead horse head, I think that would be my last scene. Yeah. That would be the only take they got. Yeah. I would do it for me as one well. Time, and then I would never go on that set ever again because I, yeah. I wouldn't trust them. That, that That's no. That said to me is now deemed unsafe. Yeah. The scene is visceral. I get, I cannot put myself in a position where they go, oh yeah, I'm going to blindside this person in order to get what I want. That doesn't work for me, but I can understand them going, this scene needs to be effective in this way. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was effective to be like, oh, that's the lengths of these people. Because especially in the beginning, especially that character, it was, um, it was the, the adopted brother was the one who went to oh, Hollywood, right? Yeah. He's the one who went to Vegas. Oh no, the guy who went, he to, went to both. The guy that went to Hollywood? Are you talking yeah. about the lawyer? Because it was the lawyer who went and talked to him. Yes, yes, yes. But he was like the at the beginning of the movie, they were like, he so and so found him on the street. That's why there was so much tension between them because he was a brother, but not really. There's so many I know, I know. I know. And we could be wrong. We could be wrong. Part of the joy of this is that many people only get to watch a movie once and then have to discuss it. And that's just the way life is. So if we yeah. get things wrong, we deeply apologize. But that was my understanding in viewing it. Yeah. That he was very trusted and was brought oh. in and felt as though he was a genuine member of the family, even though it came up later that that he was not. And that dynamic was super interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But he as a character kind of was displayed as like, I am well-educated. I am intelligent. I am going to go into these situations and get things done. Like his violence was not overtly obvious at the beginning until that scene. Well, it was like- have that that line where, um, I forget who says it. I'm pretty sure it's uh, Marlon Brando who says- a uh, lawyer is more dangerous with a briefcase than a man is with a gun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. and, and that scene's very obvious as well. You know, fun fact about the film in general, because that scene is stuck in my mind where the movie producer and him are having dinner together. Mm-hmm. And the it's going movie, so well, and then it turns. and then it turns, and there's this bowl of oranges on the table. And throughout the film, I was like, "There is a lot of oranges. Is there something about oranges? Because I know Christmas, and I was super concerned. Not concerned. That's the wrong word. But I was like, <laughs> you were you were aware. curious. Yeah, I was like, yeah. what the fuck is up with all these oranges everywhere? Like, should I have more oranges in my house? As I was kind of looking up the film a little bit more, the oranges apparently were kind of a foreshadowing of the, the characters death so every time oh. you saw oranges you would know that the main character oh, in so that cool. film would die so i don't know if smart. you've ever been to disney world mickey mouse is in every single spot of disney world and when you find it it's kind of cool yes. you watch the movie and you're like oh there's some oranges it's gonna yes pretty cool <laughs> fun fact going forward for anyone who maybe hasn't seen the movie yet yeah keep check an eye out all the oranges an also this entire episode oranges. is a spoiler alert <laughs> oh yeah oops 
Yeah. Should, I mean, whatever. That's literally hopefully people what thought. Is. Yeah. Thought, saw that through. Apologies to anyone who didn't. Okay. What I'm trying to find my other notes. Oh, I have one in quotations that says, love you, grandpa, which I'm guessing is the scene where he comes home and all the kids come in to be like, hi. I vaguely remember her performance where she came in. She was like, love you, grandpa. And then like Marlon Brando like reaches out and she's like, no. And she just turns around and walks out on him. Kids in this, I thought about it a lot. The baby's crying, the kids yeah. at the end when he says, and Anthony, I'm like, that's that kid's actual name. I'm pretty sure that kid did not yeah. respond to whatever character name you gave him. And then he was like, Anthony, was like, thank goodness you casted someone who had a very Italian name because yes, there is no way that that kid responded to yeah. whatever Luca or whatever. Kids are a challenge in general. I mean, I don't know if you've ever like filmed with a kid, but I have, and it, they take a lot of time. They take a lot of time, especially they do their own thing. They do their own thing. They're on their own schedules. I respect that. But when you're shooting with actual film, I kept on thinking mm-hmm. that like this was actual film this wasn't they had to wind and have tapes and the whole yep. thing put and it in that air kids. that that light tape tight case and take it somewhere and nightmare yeah nightmare oh yeah I just I, I have that as a specific note well done to the performance in that scene the fact that this the young kid had no idea who Marlon Brando was and could not care less that he was trying to reach out to her and give her more of a scene she was like no they told me to come in and say love you grandpa leave <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm done. Bye. Also, I did not see, I knew nothing about this film going into it. I just knew. I knew vaguely. I knew the things that people talked about. Like I didn't know the plot. I didn't know what Mm -hmm. went down. I did not know that Marlon Brando was going to get shot. Oh, I had no Mm -hmm. idea. I was like, wait, hold on. I didn't either, to be honest. Yeah. It was so, I didn't know he had like this whole like health thing. Can we talk about his death in that scene? How he flopped over again? There were many times. The only, I found the performances really grounded and I really enjoyed them, but there were a few moments with death scenes specifically and maybe that was a choice maybe it was like we need to make people aware that these deaths are impactful and they're important but I thought the majority of the death scenes were melodramatic the one guy got shot in the forehead and continued to have a reaction into his death and I was like really no I know you want your moment because that's always we are all guilty of this I myself included in drama class you pick the scenes where you're like "Ooh, if I get a death it's gonna be a death that you remember I am going to milk this for all we were almost like trained in that way and you could see it like that was where the theatrical aspect came out to me and same with like I'm shot this way and I'm gonna like fall backwards in slow-mo and then turn and like it like it was just there were many many deaths where I was like people don't unfortunately when people pass away it's not often that dramatic and sometimes I think it can be more effective in its non-drama but that was just a personal a very personal opinion of mine that was the only time I was really taken out of the movie this movie for being 50 years old I found was fantastic and the fact that I was watching it with such intensity I truly cared and wanted to know what happened is pretty it's really difficult to do that so mm-hmm. would I say I watch it again for sure I'll watch this movie again yes 100% you would get so, so much more much, out of it exactly the thing is I had to step back and be like oh yeah this was made at a time this was one of the first mob movies that you know mm-hmm. that set the standard for all the rest exactly so I found a lot of scenes to be like what does this have to do with the story but then I was like oh Oh, we're we're learning the world basically this is the mm-hmm. world we're, j- we're taking a peek inside this mafia world that they're creating yes. so okay I understand that but I was thinking about 1972 and how this was a time where there was a lot of war and mm-hmm. a lot of people going into combat and when those death scenes happened I was like I wonder what the men who watched this who came yeah. back thought there were a lot of people unfortunately who saw yeah stuff like that I've never no I have seen like I've seen videos unfortunately I'm watching something and then something I'm whatever the way people get shot in the head and to be there in person yeah is no is not this dramatic thing and I wonder if people were happy that they did that yeah that they made it not feel as real it made it more of an escape that's a great that's a great point because the guy the the guy who owned the casino Mm -hmm. gets shot in the uh, glasses yeah and then it just spills in front this is really graphic for me to say but if you would get shot 
in the head like that, brains would be everywhere behind you Mm -hmm. and your entire body would just the force of being that close would flip, would just be like boom. And then maybe you just flunk back onto the table. And the fact that they didn't do that. He just kind of had it and he kind of stayed there and then he just slowly leaned forward. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if it was a conscious choice to make this a little bit more, or if it was just like, we haven't seen that kind of death yet on film. So we're going with this kind of theatery-esque version of it. Yeah. Because it did seem very theatery. Yes. Those moments. Those deaths and those moments absolutely were very much more stage performance than Mm -hmm. classic film television performances, which did shift because I think when film started, it was quite dramatic and then moved. Absolutely, yeah. Into more grounded realism. Actually, thanks to Brando. Brando had a big hand in saying, no, this is how a human would do it. And so that's how I'm going to do it. I think throughout his career is pretty famous for making that shift in to a more grounded, realistic performance. Mm-hmm. And I haven't watched a lot of Brando stuff. It was really nice to, cause I know that. I just know that about Brando through classes I've taken or people talking about it and to actually get to, I think the only other thing I saw was Streetcar Named Desire. Yeah, of course. We watched yeah. it in an English class once and it was like, okay, yeah, that was based on a book. That was a different time in life. So it was nice as an actor to like see that performance. I really appreciated it. I also found The Godfather that a lot of the times I was like, wait, did I miss something? Hold on, wait, did I miss something? Because I mm-hmm. feel like- like because it was such a long time span even though the movie was three hours and dude Netflix has a freaking segment now that is 90 minutes because there's so many films that come out that are so goddamn long because it was such a long long to for its time too I guess Gone with the Wind would have been he wanted long as well Coppola wanted this film to be nine hours eight to nine (laughs) hours his director's cut and apparently he was like pissed off that it wasn't and that the studio was like no we're cutting this down the thing is there were so many questions that I had because they cut out all these mm-hmm. additional scenes. I think there was like almost 30 scenes that they cut from the film. I can only imagine. So there's these moments where you're kind of just like, wait, huh? Like what? Where? Yeah. When did when did that happen? Or like, okay, yeah. you're catching me up on something that I, I need to make an assumption. Apparently the studio really didn't like Sonny, even though I think Sonny was one of the best characters and they cut out mm-hmm. most of his scene and character development, which, which sucks. But listen, yeah. it's three freaking hours. Yeah, it's a long movie. It's long, but this movie is revolutionary and deserves all the credit that it does get. But I had yep. so many story questions. Why is this scene in there? What happened? <laughs> like so, stuff yes. happened behind the scenes. Wait, hold on. We're... He's yeah, you could you felt now. like there were missing they have parts. kids. Yeah. Yeah. He's the thing that was cool about it was like in three hours, you saw Mike go from like, I want nothing mm-hmm. to do with this, at, and then being this badass in charge like, of all of it. Exactly. That was a cool evolution to see, but it just felt like there were so many hills and valleys. And wait, should I have the subtitle on? Am I not hearing stuff? I feel like I'm missing some right. things. Yeah. yeah. I felt I felt that way too. There were a couple of times where it was like, oh, okay, we've jumped in time. The whole Italy segment felt like a different movie, which right? I think was I think that was the intent I think it was like he has removed himself gone into hiding a made me want to go to Italy book the flight right now (laughs) we can't because COVID times and it's not responsible the colors were different the fact that we were getting full Italian with subtitle like it felt like a whole different world which I think I both liked and didn't like I'm on the fence as to to how I felt about it because it did feel long it felt long and it felt like I was constantly anxious about what was going on back home and it was hard to like be attached to those characters because when she ends up his wife ends up getting blown up in the car it was kind of like I get why that would be sad but I didn't get to know her enough to genuinely be sad which I think is a criticism of this movie in general is that a lot of the women were not remotely well-rounded or grounded in, like there were some fantastic performances from the women, but they weren't given enough. No, I really wanted to know what happened to his sister. Like I wanted to know how that relationship was going with her abusive husband. And first of all, there was, uh, there was so many questions that I had, like Carlo, yeah. Why would you, what is wrong with you? Like, what kind of idiot are you that yeah. you're going to do these types of things to these types of people? Like, do you want I to know. die? It was well, that's the such- thing. He just had no control. Like he, he, which I think is, is prevalent in, I mean, I don't want to say death, 
domestic abuse cases because absolutely everyone is in control of their own actions. But often when you get those stories of like, it happened that one time and he felt really bad and was really upset about it and says it'll never happen again. And it does. Yeah, but it wasn't even just the domestic violence. It was like, he fucked over the family with- Yes, like, at he the did. End, he, was, like, yeah. he was always- he was he was cheating on her. He was living on you know the edge. I mean? that like, gambler thing. Which this movie did actually portray quite well how addictive this lifestyle mm-hmm. is. Because yeah. a lot of the time, like for example, taking meetings at your daughter's wedding. Why are you doing that? Why can't you just enjoy your daughter's wedding? You have to do this at your like these people don't need to do this, but they're just keep on doing it because it it's a lifestyle it's a power you have to thing. keep on gaining exactly power dynamics. Ugh my god the amount of anxiety of just like moving yeah. around the world yeah to go to a bar and be like this might be my last drink that i'm ever gonna yeah. have yeah like, who's waiting here who's waiting here to ambush me absolutely when yeah. um, mike goes and he kills the cop and that other dude mm-hmm. and then and the cop is eating i'm like how the fuck is this guy eating right now dude i wouldn't eat you would never eat in mm-hmm. front of someone else ever again. I would eat in a locked room. You like, yes. Because you're so vulnerable, right? When you're eating, sleeping, I would just be like every. I would. I would sleep in a room that had no windows. I would be so. The paranoid. Trust would be a foreign concept to you. There's no way oh, that you would having to figure out how to function your day to day life when you're in that lifestyle is. I I couldn't stop thinking about that. Yeah. Throughout the entire thing, and then this Carlo dude to be such an arrogant prick. I. What do you? Huh. I know. Like, you know what you're getting yourself into. Like, what are you doing? Like, you want to be a scumbag? Go be a scumbag with someone else's daughter. This is a death sentence. Like, yes. at yeah. some point, you're done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, my God. Wild. Absolutely yeah, wild so situation. wild. So wild. That's it. Mm-hmm. How And how did they not kill him then after Sonny died? Yeah, I know. I would blame him 100%. Yeah. My, my son is dead and it's because he went to go kick your ass after you yeah. get the shit out of my daughter. Done. 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 Yeah. Woof. I enjoyed the ending of the movie. I enjoyed that it felt abrupt, but also final in the same way. Yeah. It felt very abrupt. It felt like a weird place to end, to be honest. Yeah. Me. Yeah. I, but it had enough for me in terms of like, I felt... I felt it left you with the imagination of wanting to go. You got to make your own conclusions about what happened next. And the cycle repeats itself. We we are closing where we opened. But it did feel like the first half, there was so much catching up on this world. And then the end, you're like, okay, you know what the world is. Okay, we're now just going to steamroll through a bunch of stuff. I wanted to know, did Kay ever find out that he was married to another woman? Right. I want, you know, I wanted an insight on those conversations of what they looked like. Because you saw that like at the end, she would hug him and stuff like that but I wanted Mm -hmm. to know like okay you decided to marry into a life in which you thought that your partner wasn't going to participate in and then now he is this person what does that domestic lifestyle look like how does it evolve what you know what I mean like I assume I I assume he continued to lie to her because he lied to her in that last scene where she was like did you do it and he was like well he didn't answer well no he did he He lied yeah he lied to her he yeah so it's like I definitely see what you're saying in terms of like, if it's true, this was a nine hour movie, which clearly Francis Ford Coppola was just born in the wrong era because Netflix would snap that up as a six episode, whatever, in a heartbeat. Big time. You know? I so, mean, is he, did he pass away? Why doesn't he do it now? I mean, it's 50 years old. We could redo I this film now. To that. <laughs> I don't think you ever could. You would get so much. If someone rebooted The Godfather. I feel, I don't know. I think it might be one of the untouchables. I don't think. Do you think so? I don't think anyone would want to mess with it. But I could be wrong because I've also thought that about many things. We're like, surprise, we're rebooting this. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Really? I could be wrong, but I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to go near it. No, he's old. He's alive. I think I was going to say, I think we'd hear about that. Yeah. Well, you know what? To be completely honest, I have a really hard time remembering anyone's name that I don't know. Okay. Right. If if you and I haven't had serious conversations, I'm always kind of like, who? Okay. Yeah. But um, sometimes I remember people's name, but if I saw him walking down the street, I'd be, I would not recognize him. No, I don't think I would either. I don't think Um, I'd recognize like Al Pacino. Maybe I would because he has a very distinct face. I didn't know he was so good looking as a young person. Oh, right. which is probably ignorant on my part that I just had never seen a photo of. And, and not that he's not attractive now. I, I will admit I was surprised. I was like, oh, yeah, he is. And it's just this like, I don't know. He has this like cute boy hair. Yeah, it's cute. He's got he's charisma cute. coming out of the wazoo. I know he's so, oh, he's so cute. 
I think I'm out of notes. I'm also out of notes, but I I have some fun facts. I said some during my thing, but I want to just go over them. So did you, I knew this before, but I just want to reiterate. So Marlon Brando got nominated and won Best Actor Mm. for the Oscars that year, but he actually protested it because of Hollywood's racist depiction of Native Americans and a uh, Native American female representative actually went on stage and uh, accepted the award for him or didn't accept the award for him. Right. Denied the Um, award for him. Pacino protested as well that year for the Oscars because he got nominated for a supporting actor and he was like, I was in more scenes. Why am I supporting? (laughs) (laughs) Very different protest. So now we are going to go over our little musty list. Yes. So this is, we decided that we were going to do some kind of ranking system where we would give our rankings and then we would Mm -hmm. have people vote with their rankings. And so that we can have two not dissimilar to Rotten Tomatoes. Thank you so much for the inspiration. Shout out to you guys is a website that I have used in the past. Really appreciate you. So we kind of started with like, you know, the must sees list and that's just too long. That's just too much words. So they will be lovingly referred to as the musties from here on out. Mm -hmm. And we're ranking them in mushrooms other than tomatoes. Musties, the first one is on the page. We've broken it down into three segments for ourselves. So we have plot, character breakdown, and dialogue. I've kind of given them each an individual score and then done an average of the three. Kendra, you just, you did the same. So for yep. plot, I gave it an eight just because it was hard for me to kind of follow. Sometimes I enjoy a story that kind of has like a beginning, you know, the adventure and then the end. This kind of had a lot of hills and valleys everywhere. I would agree. Character breakdown to me was spot on. I thought all the characters were beautiful, well thought out, fully developed. And for the dialogue as well, I just, you know, whether it was like you had mentioned just between you and I, whether it was improv or whether it was written word, it was so well executed. So my average is um, with an 8, 10, 10 is a 9.3. Excellent. I think for plot, I agree with you. I I really liked, I thought it was a good story. It was about a family. It was about the ups and downs, where we start, what happens when your leader dies, the scrambling. Like I thought that all had a great through line, but like you, the Italy scenes, although beautiful, and I would not have wanted them not in the movie, felt a little detached Mm -hmm. from the movie as a whole, Mm -hmm. which is where it's losing a little bit of points for me. And also I think, while it's a good story, plot-wise, it's not a revolutionary story. I think for me, that's where the tens come in, where it's like, oh my gosh, I've never even thought of this. Story. Yeah, I think at the time, no. I think at the time it was revolutionary, right. but I of think course. For, as of today, it's not. It, yeah, it didn't feel that way. Yeah. Um, for character breakdown, I agree with you. I think they all had great arcs. I think it was from point A to B. They were all really relatable. You could empathize mm-hmm. with even with the terrible things that were going on and what was happening. I could understand their motivations, which I think was really cool. I am, however, giving it a nine instead of a 10, because I think there was a failing with the women. I think the women did not get the character development they deserved. Yeah. Which again, I think is a very modern lens. I think there's a lot of movies we're going to watch like this that were very popular at the time and absolutely must sees that would now maybe not live up to my expectation with that. So for that, I would give it a nine and for dialogue, I agree with you. I would give it a 10. It was, it felt grounded. It felt real, but it also felt thought through. There were a lot of really good thoughts and a lot of things that were put in that perfect balance. I love Mm -hmm. between being realistic, but also dramatic. So what is your average then? Let's find out. A nine. nine. You're nine. There we go. Beautiful. So the next category that we have is on the screen or the scene, the production. So the script is how it starts the production and what you see in your visuals and your costumes and, and, and all of the way something is directed or filmed would fit inside this category. So we have three here as well. One being production value, another one being acting and casting and performances, and the final one being directing. I'm going to give, I think, every single one a 10. I would agree. I would absolutely agree. Uh, no, I, no, 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 I lied. Directing is getting a nine for that horse head crap. 
<laughs> for pulling that horse head crap on that actor. That actor deserves yeah, that's true. A nine there. Sorry, I, there is no excuse for traumatizing performers. So lastly, we have the brain. So it's the results of the project. So uh, when, oh, wait, sorry, what was the average on that one? 10. You're over oh, for me. You did a nine, oh, right? Sorry, you did a nine. How dare so you disregard see. my nine? It's like 9.5, <laughs> I think. Yeah. How dare you disrespect my nine? <laughs> 9.6. Last section is the result of the film. So the message of the film, did you learn anything? Would you recommend it to somebody else in the future? Did you have an emotional connection? Did you cry? Did you get angry? Anything happened that way? Were you completely suspended in reality? So what that means is when you're watching the film, did you believe everything that was happening? Did you ever go like, I don't think that character would have done that or... What? Did you yeah. see those sheets? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like me? Yep. I'll start from the bottom. So suspending in reality, I feel like, yeah, I definitely noticed the sheets. Right. I was like, oh, they're plastic. That's just me being the daughter of my mother who yes. was something like that. So <laughs> yeah, I would say I would give that a 10. Emotional connection the scene where the sister gets beaten, I probably mm-hmm. chills. There mm-hmm. definitely were moments where I was completely in it and felt for the characters. Yep. So yeah, I would probably give that and 10 as well. Would I recommend it to a friend? I would recommend it to a friend who's into a film like this. This is probably not right. a recommendation for everybody, but yeah, I would recommend it to a friend for sure. So yeah. also, is it something that you must see before you die or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think it is super important. Yeah. Now this is where things get weird for me. The message of the film. I don't yeah. really think there was a message to the film other than seeing what this life is like. The message is the moral of the story. Yeah. The mob is bad or like right. the mob is fun or the mob is scary. Yeah. Like I would give the message a five. Does that sound fair? I think so. It's it's your opinion. That's this true. is just and in case anyone didn't realize right. this is all, this is our opinion. <laughs> all of these are opinions and in no way affect your opinion. Absolutely. You know, just just food for thought cuz I do have a different view on the message, but I'll start I'll go the same way. So sure. suspending reality for me, I would give I would give it a nine. It probably deserves more than that. But I, for me, it was the deaths. I really, I genuinely sat on the couch and my wonderful sister watched this one with me because she had also not seen it. And that was the only time I audibly was like, really? And again, I think there was a reason for it. I think I wouldn't change it. Like I wouldn't, Mm. I understand why it was done. And I also like appreciate as an actor wanting that moment, but it certainly took me out where I was like, there is no way that if you got shot that many times, you'd be able to like stumble (laughs) around and then move backwards and then like shift your body. And like, same with the guy who where bullets straight through his forehead did like a, oh my God, I can't believe this just happened to me reaction when he clearly would have been dead. Like that, it did distract me. And then emotional connection for me also gets a 10. I was connected with all of the characters and even the ones who were committing atrocities. I had moments where I felt bad for them. Oh yeah. Like when, when the Godfather's son died. I know. And And he he was was like, this is it. This is like, this is, this has to stop. Like you could tell that like in his age, as he was closer to death was realizing that it, it wasn't wasn't worth worth it. it. Recommend. I also would give it a 10. Like you were saying, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone who is not going to respond well to blood or animal cruelty. And then message for me, I would actually give it, I would give it an eight. I'm in the same world with it as I was with the plot, where to me, the message of this movie was about power and corruption. And the idea of, is what you want worth the price of it? Because that to me came in a lot where it was like, even Michael, the lead character coming in and wanting nothing to do with this, but because it was his family, he wanted to remain connected to his family and protect them and be there for them. And the cost of that was getting pulled into this world. And so to me, that was the overall, that was the overall message I got. Sweet. I didn't think of that at all during watching this (laughs) film. So (laughs) glad you did. (laughs) I was saying the rating stand. I guess we'll do an average of the three. So your, the page is nine. Your Mm -hmm. scene is 
is 9.6. Yeah. And then your brain is 9.25, which gives you a total of 27.85 divided by three is you give this a 9.2. 9.2 mushrooms. 9.2 mushrooms. <laughs> Mine is a 9.3 for the page, a 10 for the scene, and then for the brain, it's an 8.75 divided by three. I give it a 9.3. Actually, mm-hmm. who would have thought? Yep. I really I thought- didn't expect that going into this movie, I'll be honest. Me too. I thought it was overhyped. I thought it was that movie, like, especially because it's a lot of men who recommend this movie. Yep. In general. And so part of me kind of thought it was gonna be like almost like an action movie where it was like bang, bang guns. And like, look at all this money and like just things that don't particularly interest me. And I was pleasantly surprised. I know. I really had so much more. Like I just, I just like was starting to watch the movie and I just thought of every guy that I know being forgot about Yes. And I was like, were you shocked at how many pop culture things you did not realize were from that movie. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. There were so many, th- where I was like, oh, they have done this scene on Community or they have done this scene on The Simpsons. And I just didn't know. Like this film is so iconic in its influence on everything that came after it. I know. Like, and that's very- why it deserves a high, high score of almost yeah. a 10. There's one more test that we're going to give this film before we yes. move on to our day player of the day. The bechamel test. And it's not called the bechamel test. It's called the... That's that's how you pronounce it. Brechtel? The Brechtel test. The <laughs> I say bechamel because that, that's what it looks more like. Fun. <laughs> Basically, what that is, is, is there two women in the film? Do they have names? Yeah. And do they talk to each other about something other than the men? Yes. So this does not pass the test. Not remotely. (laughs) Not even close. I don't actually think two women have a scene together. There is a moment where the women are in the kitchen, but they're talking about. Are they named? Mm. Who are they? I don't know. You know, the fact that I can't even think. Yeah. And this was an important test for us to include. There is, if you want more information on the Brechtel test, there's tons of like websites and information that you can find. We will, we have actually, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to do my best to link something in our podcast description where if you want more information, because lots of people have put a lot of work into this, but I think it was important for us to include it as part of the podcast, just because we are two women mm-hmm. who are working in the industry. And mm-hmm. unfortunately it's, it's a common problem that female characters are not given as much attention as the male characters. It will just be part of part of our podcast that we think is important to to touch on for each film. I feel like it's becoming less and less of an issue. Yeah. Which is I really think, good. Yeah. To wrap up yeah. this podcast, mm-hmm. um, this was a brilliant idea suggested by my lovely sister. Yep. And I wholeheartedly agreed with it. This segment is going to be called Day Player of the Day. And for those of you who don't know, a day player is a term for an actor who is brought onto a project and will often only get one day of filming, meaning yeah. that they maybe have less lines. They're only in one particular scene and they're, you know, they're there to fill those underlying parts. And, and as an actor who has had many day player parts, they don't get the recognition they deserve. No, because so at the end difficult. of the day, at the end of the day, movies are a collaborative artistic effort. Yeah. where everyone is doing their job to see it come to fruition. Yeah. And it's not just about the stars. Like if one day there was an Oscars for like guest starring roles and like that are just in what, like I would love that. I would just love that. Absolutely. So we are here to acknowledge incredible performances in films that get overlooked because they're not considered big parts. And there are, there are no small parts. There are only small actors. Also, Sometimes being a day player is significantly more difficult than being the lead because they come on set, everyone's established their connections, their, the way that they function and you're just coming in and you're trying to make everything work and, you know, have with everybody and yeah, you're expected to do an incredible job. Yeah. The expectation is time. Yeah. You only have one line to learn, so you better not screw it up. Like there is an immense amount of pressure to do your job for the film, but also not get in the way. And I think it's not acknowledged enough. So both of us have come up with our day player of of the day awards. Yeah. We haven't told each other, so we might have the same person, which I think will be really interesting. 
going forward? I guess my day player, well, he has more than one line. He has two scenes and we're already different. Okay. Okay. So my day player of the day is Lenny Montana and he's the guy who plays Luca. He's the guy who's rehearsing his lines outside and then has that short scene with Brando and then gets killed at the bar. To me, if he was in every scene, I would have probably been like, oh, there he is. Like he was so captivating and I thought he did a swell job. Oh, yay. Amazing. I agree. That was a phenomenal performance. My day player of the day goes to Carol Morley, who played the night nurse. Oh, the night nurse. The night nurse. Her, yes, absolutely. Oh, she took that part and she was that person. And I saw her whole story in her three lines where it was like, she was there doing her job and this guy came in. It was like, no, these are the rules. This is what's happening. Yeah. And he insisted that there was some big conspiracy going on and she had to move a pit. Like what an annoying part of her day and agreed to help him begrudgingly didn't care who he was or who she was watching. Like I just, that was fascinating to me. I thought she did a, a fantastic job. I'm she was sadly her. and on um, IMDb, she was not credited in the film. Like her name is not in the credits. It says uncredited in quotation marks next to her name for that incredible performance. And it's a, a travesty. That is so mean. But IMDb has kindly found out who she was. And fun fact, she was born in Ontario, Canada. Good for her. She's a Canadian. Good for her. Killing it in this incredible movie. And um, that is who my shout out goes to. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you shouted her out. She deserves it. (laughs) So next week. Do the Right Thing is a 1989 American comedy drama film produced, written, and directed by Spike Lee. The story Mm. explores a Brooklyn neighborhood simmering racial tensions between its African-American residents and Italian-American owners of a local pizzeria, cultivating Mm. in tragedy and violence on a hot summer day. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Me too. I have never seen it. You have never seen it. No, I'm very excited. So yeah. So please, if you want to participate in our weekly gather and review of, of movies, please find some time in your week to watch this movie. So you'll be in on it with us which I think will be super exciting going forward. I think yeah. is the reason we're going to make the podcast and like educate ourselves as actors and broaden our horizons. So if you've stayed with us this long, we appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate <laughs> it. He's only me. Allison, the Godfather, to see or not to see? To see, obviously, to see. Yes. To see all the way. Yeah, I agree. Beautiful. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Yes, thank you so much for listening. Life. Go watch movies. Go watch movies and do your homework. Come <laughs> eat your lunch and come home straight away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye, we'll everybody. see you all later. Bye. Bye.